This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 35 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined by James Ritchie, who is the Director and Principal Consultant of Mindful Risk. Good morning, James, or good afternoon, I should say. Yeah, good afternoon, Brendan. How are you? Thanks for uh, joining us on the show today. So I'm always curious to hear people, like on the show, I get different people, how they've arrived at health and safety how did you first get involved with um, the world of health and safety? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, the, the funny part I feel is that I was never really that interested in health and safety. I was actually always more interested in big boys' toys, so sort of trucks, you know, trucks, boats, planes, mining machinery, all that sort of boyhood fantasy stuff. And that interest led me a little bit by default to work health and safety. Um, came out of high school and I didn't really know what to do at uni so I just went and did like a generalist environmental science degree and then fluffed around doing some odd jobs and some work placements that I didn't enjoy and so kind of just went traveling and surfing all over Indonesia and being a silly silly young pup and then um, when I came back from that experience there was I think it was an ad in the paper one Saturday that was um, for biosecurity and custom and, uh, and customs, just saying, if you've got any degree, just come and apply to us to become a like an inspector for customs. Okay, so that was a, a government gig. Yeah, yeah, Commonwealth government. I think they've now split them into board, is it biosecurity and border security or something like that. But at, at the time, it was customs and quarantine, and I, I ended up in the quarantine side of that biosecurity regulator which then is effectively like a traineeship or a graduate program and, and, and so what what year would have that been james oh what's that 99 probably about 2003 okay and so yeah. that was kind of like the the uh f- kind of the first job out of uni serious job would you say yeah yeah the first the first big boy job <laughs> <laughs> and so how long did you uh spend with the commonwealth doing that and I guess, what were the lessons that you learned from that yeah. role that you've taken on? Yeah. Yeah, so look, it was probably, yeah, it was, ended up being well over well over five years. And so I've got a, got a broad mix of exposure to, you know, working working on the land side and the air side of the airport, um, doing passenger clearances, and then spent a lot of time around Port Botany um, doing vessel clearances and um, food inspections and all sorts of things like that. And I, I enjoyed it for a time, but that back end of that period there was a I think it was a training and safety officer role came up and I just looked at it as a career development opportunity so you know grabbed it with grabbed it with both hands and that's probably what first got me a taste of that let's call it aside from that compliance side that I was dealing with as a regulator that's what got me um, introduced to this concept of OHNS at the time that role and did you do you do you think that the your um the background of what you did at uni actually helped like it did obviously help you get the job in the first place was but was there yep. a practical i don't know application of the knowledge that you'd learnt in tertiary education you know a- actually on the field so to speak yeah 
Yeah, Dep- depends how blunt you want me to be, Brendan. I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like probably the, like the the short and the long answer is no. Like my my degree taught me probably zero vocational mm. skills. It taught taught me a lot of great theory around um, certainly yeah environmental management models and things like that that I actually probably still use and apply. Yeah, many years many years later in my own business, but it was probably more just the. If anything, if I can pin it down to it to be critical thinking, yep. um, that's probably what I took away from it and inquisitiveness, if that is that the right word? Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so I think that's probably what then I applied and the fact that, you know, I'm a bit of a extroverted um, type person that enjoys just hanging around other people and getting to know mm. other people. I think a lot of what I got the success out of in that government gig was just an ability to build relationships with people and um, understand their problems and then try and help them. And so were you dealing with kind of, I guess, consumers, so to speak, like people arriving just from overseas or was yeah. it? A bit of a mixture. So I ended up, yeah, I kind of work, when you work in those government sector roles, in that, like in those regulatory agencies, they do like um, compulsory rotations. And so you do, you know, you do six months at the airport, you do a couple of years at Port Botany doing different different things and then ultimately where I landed was predominantly a, what would you call it, like a, I guess, regulated business program where I, I only exclusively dealt with small business owners who were importing packaged food products into Australia. Yep, yep. Sounds like a fantastic training ground really, like you would have seen so many different things happening and different every day I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it was, yeah, I got to mix with a really good bunch of people. I feel like there's, I'm still friendly with a few um, you know, a few of my colleagues from that era and certainly mm. got exposed to a lot of different, yeah, pretty diverse bunch of people and perspectives and everything. So that I, I enjoyed it and um, got plenty of funny funny stories, most of which I probably wouldn't want to share in this context. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And so so yeah. you land, so from there you uh, health and safety role came up and you sort of went sideways into that. And yep. was that for the, the department as well or...? Yeah, yeah, that, that's where I started and then at the same time I was starting to, you know, put my put myself out there a little bit to see what else I could um, what else I could gather in terms of skills mm. and then I think through the advice of a, of a good friend and a lady that worked in re- recruitment, she suggested that it would just be a good um, augmentation to look at doing some sort of formal study in um ohs because it might it might start to open some more career pathways so that's that's kind of the point at which i went back to back, back to uni or tafe oh, no, i went yeah went, went, just went to tafe to do the um so advanced for, diploma uh, advanced yeah. diploma okay yeah. yeah 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 and look that that was again that was a great great experience and i feel really lucky that i had some great great tafe teachers that were from really different types of businesses that i hadn't been exposed to like hospitality and um, events management, so I feel like that was that was a good experience. Poor old Tate gets a bit of a bad rap at times, but um, I had a great experience learning. Look, I, I think the thing yeah. with TAFE is that you're definitely going to get proper training, like in depth, yep. and I mean some of the some of the uh, the private um, RTOs going around. You know, they're smashing out cert fours and diplomas in five days, and you just yeah, <clears throat> I just don't get how you can you can really integrate. All that knowledge so quickly it needs to be done over time yeah oh absolutely and i think yeah exactly what you said is what i felt tafe 
gave me good experience, uh, sorry, a good exposure to. And there was also a lot of people from um, other industries like construction that were already working in predominantly yeah. like WHS officer roles. And so it's good being around that. that yeah, um, 100%, 100%. And then you sort of, it, I guess, unlike uni or unlike some courses, I guess, at uni, you're getting real life um, intersected with the theory. So then you can start yeah. applying it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, how long did the TAFE course go for? Uh, I think just, I think it's a year and a half or nearly, yeah, a, a, I think it's a year. If you add it all up, it ends up being a year and a half. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so from there, what happened next? Um, well, so then just started putting the feelers out while I was still studying and that was getting, that would have been around 2008, 2009. So um, then... At the time, at least, there was a lot of mining graduate programs on offer and um, ended up landing myself a start in the uh, one of the big mining houses, health, safety and environment graduate programs. And that was that was a big win. And um, then my wife and I had to make the decision of upping and leaving the northern beaches of Sydney and heading off into the absolute sticks of um, Queensland and um, Western New South Wales and other places like that. And that's kind of what we did for a couple of years while I was doing that graduate program and it, again it was a not an experience I probably would have necessarily volunteered for at the start but ended up being a really rewarding experience and ultimately set set me on the pathway to where I am today. All right well that's probably a good segue so what does um, what does mindful risk do I, I'm taking it you've got your own your own business now so you yeah what made you yeah. arrive at, at um, deciding to go out on your own? Oh look, I think a few, a few different factors kind of all aligned at, aligned at once, Brendan. But I, I remember, um, don't want to get all yogic and philosophical, and I know I'm in good company in that respect. But certainly, <laughs> I, I, uh, after after a pretty good career in mining, I was starting to get over the the stress and the 24 hour cycles. And by that stage, you know, so 2008 till about 2015, um, I'd gotten a lot of experience in underground. Yep. Um, right, like underground coal and open cut coal. Um, so I was certainly, yeah, commanding a good role, but certainly really not enjoying it as much as what I, I thought I, I was expecting to. Mm. Um, had one had one kid and a second one on the way, and I think it was, yeah, deciding that um, yeah it was time to make a change. And then um, ultimately, I think I'm yeah because I'm been a super keen surfer my whole life had fiddled around with things like yoga and meditation in my 20s and kind of went back to it. Um, mm. And that probably had a had an element of how it played into me deciding that, look, oh, I think, you know, quali- quality of life and certainly quality of work and the people I get to work with was something that I really valued as well as being, you know, really making a contribution to the community. And so I think, yeah, a few different factors all kind of lined up together and I decided that it wasn't really about making a choice. I decided it was the only choice that um, I had to make. So, And so what, what does Mindful Risk do? Yeah. You know, I, I sarcastically or, you know, humorously like to say that we're, we're in the business of um, executive confidence building and stress reduction, I think, in, <laughs> in, <laughs> in a nutshell. But, yeah, so look, essentially, so, um, yeah, over, over the years I'd moved – a little bit more broadly in in that mining career outside of just WHS and environment and had become very 
interested in that board level strategic enterprise risk and enterprise governance. And so I ended up going back to uni again, this time to the Governance Institute to study applied risk management. Um, and so that, again, that was felt like a natural kind of augmentation between WHS and environment into this, let's call it this business-wide approach to risks and other categories of risk that aren't just WHS or environment. And um, so, yeah, yeah, mindful risk as a business, that's essentially what, what we do. We predominantly work with um, boards of directors, owners of companies in very specific niche sectors, um, and also internal risk and compliance functions within businesses like mining companies and um, aged care facilities and even insolvency, um, boutique insolvency accounts to help them manage internal risk systems at that enterprise level. So, so is, is it like yeah. coaching, I don't know, individuals on boards or is it more about looking at, you know, this, the whole system and working out where the potential issues may be or potential risks may be? Yeah, look, it's more, it, it's yes and yes. So it's, we're, we're really focused on internal capability building, but with that obviously comes an element of process and system development. So internal process and system development is something that we work extensively with them on, but because um, obviously those systems are only as good as the people that use them, we also like to work um, at that advisory and coaching level with directors um, on boards and certainly owners of businesses in those certain sectors to help them understand and better frame their knowledge of risk and risk management into something that's certainly not just a not just a compliance tool and not just what I think they call a handbrake to happiness. Um, and so yeah, does that yeah, it's it's one of those things that it, it's it's evolved from very much being a traditional in inverted commas consulting model to yeah. Yeah, now we're certainly very much in the space of what we call research and advisory, and so that that includes you know thought leadership development. Even though that that word just makes me cringe even saying it because I feel like it's the most overused word. Yeah. In the in the twenty first century, but yeah, so re- research and advisory, and so in terms of what what that ends up being, um, and yeah, I, pre- predominantly or particularly, we're interested in working with companies at that mid tier size in highly regulated sectors so that's why i said you know insolvency accounting um aged care not-for-profit mining mining services where the businesses are big enough to have certainly a wide range of complexity and exposure to risk but they're probably not big enough to understand or even have the resources or the need to appoint an internal risk and compliance function yeah. we we effectively um, depending on the circumstance, provide that service. So it comes, you know, comes from everything from risk fundamentals workshops that we yep. provide for the directors through to the development of internal systems and processes and ultimately behaviours and culture for the organisation. And it's really, really just those. We're quite, quite specific about the niches we work with because I guess that comes from myself and and the team, my professional development, and also the the areas that we feel our skills are best at helping people solve the, the unique problems that they have. So as, as far as headcount, what sort of size would that, you know, that target that you're working with up to yeah. from what headcount through to like on a lower yeah. level through to a higher level? Is it like 500 to 5,000 people or? Yeah. <clears throat> so we, we're, we, we sort of break it down in terms of um, revenue, Brendan. So it's more yeah. we, we would probably say ideally 
we don't tend to work with organisations that are less than about 15 mil gross revenue per mm-hmm. year turnover, and it's rare for us to probably be working with organisations that are above 200 million gross yeah. revenue. So we're that we're that mid cap, mid tier yeah. provider, and that that just comes from experience and research. That look, you know, we we know that if you're over 200 million gross revenue a year, you're going to probably have a chief risk officer and yeah. certainly going to have some sort of an internal compliance. Yeah. Function, um, and particularly if you're in, if you're in a APRA regulated sector or a sector like mining where you've got a, a very you know aggressive regulator, then you're probably going to already have that in place. Um, whereas where where certainly we really like to help businesses that are in that growth phase or in that boutique size because obviously they've still got very direct touch with their business and their customers and their staff, and because we're all pretty people oriented people that that's what we enjoy because we enjoy building connection and community with those businesses and would you necessarily run into like other people providing i don't know other consultants working with those businesses as well like maybe in different niches or yep um in what way do you mean other other advisory yeah like say they had i don't know a whs person come in and you would work with effectively a team of consultants to help that business or do they tend to sort of just because it sounds like you're the overarching view of the business right it's as you say there's multiple different risks within a business i was just curious to see what what businesses are doing whether they're you know getting an army of different consultants or do they tend to specialize in in just one or two firms and go from there yeah yeah, okay. Oh, look, I think because we still certainly, particularly with our mining clients, we still certainly provide that WHS and environment um, expertise and that, that remains part of our, let's call it core speciality. And, you know, that, that, that will include right up to, you know, us preparing and assisting them with doing their returns if they're a, like an EPA, like subject to an EPL or um, EPA regulation entity. But where we where we predominantly work is in that let's call it that enterprise risk space and that's i guess the yeah. benefit of of having the team of four including myself is that we can offer let's call it that supporting advisory services through whs or environment and then where i where i really like to work is at that let's call it that enterprise or that business-wide level I, I guess it makes you incredibly agile as well having a small team where you can yeah. sort of get in and actually there's actually make the chat or recommend the changes that need to be made as opposed yep. to say bigger companies where there's I don't know layers of more bureaucracy so to speak yep. so yeah yeah well look I mean yeah didn't <laughs> didn't want to turn it into a any sort of a sales pitch but I no, think no, yeah, no, not at all I, yeah, I was just yeah. trying to trying to get it get a feel for where where the work yep. is being done so but yeah you've got you've got a bit of a twist though James on on uh what you do also like you had a did you was it right that you had like a a charitable end or there was some kind of social purpose connection yep. there? Tell, tell us about what that's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess um, I know because, you know, knowing your background, Brendan, and you're a bit of a, a meditative person, if yeah. that's even the right, right word. I guess it, it came, yeah, because, you know, probably I would say a lot of small business owners and, you know, a lot of high-flying individuals tend to be those very – you know, driven, what do they call it, like type A personalities. Um, And that was certainly me through most of my 20s as well. And then, yeah, just having having children and having, I guess, re-evaluating your priorities in life and certainly I would say getting involved with that 
um, let's call it that yogic space, yeah. certainly all of a sudden I found that for someone that traditionally didn't have that much empathy, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, I actually start to care about stuff now and um, I feel kind of compelled to do something more than just try and chase, you know, more money and more sort of, you know, superior roles or whatever. And so that probably where it all started for me was, um, again, just being a surfer, I started getting involved locally in the Hunter with the Disabled Surfers Association about probably nine or ten years ago. Oh, that's very um, cool. <clears throat> Yeah, and so look, that that's a they're a national organisation. They've got branches in Sydney in every state, really. I think that they run a huge day in Collaroy. I don't know every year. I don't know if you've ever come across it, Brendan. No, but no, I haven't. But yeah, um, started getting involved. Started getting involved in that, and I, I guess I realised through um, getting in, getting to know the people and the families that were our part of that community of yeah. volunteers and participants. Um, just sort of naturally started to fall into conversations about the different, um, you know, the different ways that they were trying to support either their children or the people that they cared for that might have had disabilities. And it turned out that um, ultimately, depending on how the funding structured under the National Disability Insurance Scheme, that there's opportunities or options there for people that have certain requirements that um, may need my skills in terms of risk management, governance, um, helping them develop policies around things like social media and even work health and safety. And so started supporting some of those families doing that voluntarily. And then that, I guess everything kind of just started to fold outwards from there in terms of um, ended up as the secretary of that organisation, Disabled Surface Hunter, not being... Mm-hmm been that secretary for about six years or seven years now um, and then that led on to some voluntary board positions and then I think these days look we continue as in at a, at a commercial level through mindful risk I support or we support a couple of local not-for-profits in terms of their board enterprise risk and governance systems and yep. then we also volunteer um, our time in, in a couple of different ways in that same space. And then, yeah, I was previously on a board of a not-for-profit that has since been um, merged into a much larger national entity. And, I mean, that's a, that's a conversation for another day about the yep. whole NDIS thing. But, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of the story behind that. But what, what I guess what I was surprised when I started going into that space that I didn't expect was that I thought, oh, you know, I'm, I went in with the mindset of, oh, I'm just doing some community service here because a little bit like, oh, that's what you do. You know, that's what you're supposed to do to be a good citizen. Yeah. Um, but what I realised was I started getting so much back out of it myself, so much just enjoyment and joy. Um, it, I couldn't help but not wanting to continue to do that. Yeah, I think I think it's a, definitely a different feeling when you do work without the expectation of getting paid um, with money. Yeah. You do get a huge amount of satisfaction from it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, ab- absolutely. And, and I think um, there, there's something about the whole psychology of, again, uh, you don't do it for work, but certainly opportunities have come out of that. But I think, yeah, the intent when I know that I'm going in to work with a family that I can directly apply my skills and see the benefit that those skills can bring to, you know, the quality and independence I oh, sorry, the quality of life and independence of somebody with a disability, then that, that yeah. I, I think that's amazing. So, oh, for sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your journey. It's always like, I, I don't think I've met anybody uh, that, you know, everybody's got a different story. So it's really cool to see 
you know, how people end up doing what they're, they're doing. Um, now, I've got just uh, five quick questions to ask you before we wrap up. Um, sure. The first one is how old are you? 37. And what do you like to do to keep fit? I think I might know the answer to this, but... <laughs> yeah, um, sur- surfing, dirt bikes and yoga. Yep. yep. Cool. And um, uh, next question, I've... I'm, um, if you could be remembered for uh, one thing in business, what do you think that would be? Mm, efficiency. Is that Efic- really lame? But that's what I, I feel like it would be. <laughs> yep. And do, yep. do you have any um, personal goals that you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, yeah, look, I think just get getting the business, grow, growing the business somewhat but making it sustainable over the long term in terms of its structure and foundation and operating model, that's certainly the... The goal and spending spending as much time um, caravanning and surfing with my son and daughter as I possibly can. Oh, that's that sounds great. And then mm. finally, um, what do you think you subscribe more to as far as running a business goes? Is it a long game or a short game? Oh, no, I'm 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 playing I'm playing for the twenty year win, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, now if people want to connect with you, James, uh, what's your website? Yeah, sure. It's at mindfulrisk, all one word, dot com, dot au, and I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. Great. All right, James, thanks for coming on the show today. I oh, really appreciate your time, Brendan. Thanks for the opportunity. Great.